Hello and welcome to Back to Earth. <laughs> oh, still staying Should I leave in? in? Yeah, fuck it. Hello and welcome back to the Comic Lyra podcast, the podcast that does deep dives into the best of comic books, graphic novels, mangas, and penny dreadfuls. I'm your host, the soon-to-be-known-as Comic Stan, and with me as always is my renegade co-host, it's Jamie. A renegade I like. Oh, ne- that's met your approval now. Absolutely, I am a renegade master. All right, so next one is going to be the complete opposite of, so like quite a... Uh, What's the opposite of renegade? Like, uh, in the middle, down the road, button up. Yeah. Stuff shirt, kind of. My my nine to five host. <laughs> my, my professional corporate the host. It's it's Mr. Jamie. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, Mr. Jamie. No surname. I don't know if renegade is that like it, like um old school music, something like the renegade sound, that kind of thing. Yeah, back at it again with the renegade master. Yeah, I figured that's something you would know. I've, I've I know it in passing, but I don't know actually what it is. Yeah, it's just a beautiful word as well, isn't mm. it? Uh, one of my favorite albums, Renegades of Funk, the uh, Rage Against the Machine cover album. Oh yeah, 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 yeah I'm from familiar. a long time ago. So, how? Oh, you look like you're about to say something. No, it's okay. I'm, I'm with you. I'm right <laughs> here with you. The beauty of podcast is like, it just sounds like I was about to start and I went, no, no, I'll throw him in this small. Like, were well, you going to say something, weren't you? I'll throw him under that bus. Yeah. Jamie, I believe you had something good to say. Floor is yours. Go ahead. Oh, nothing to say. <laughs> the problem is, if you give me too much of the floor, I'm just going to start talking about COD. I mean, with this, there's the running joke now alongside Alan Moore and. Um, Will Smith Suicide Squad impression. Those are we've got running jokes now. We, yeah, no, it's happened, doesn't it? Fantastic. And soon we will have many more, and then we'll forget about the original ones, and the circle of life will continue until they're they're just all written by AI. Eventually. Exactly. Yeah. Oh no, don't. <laughs> Come right. on, not today. All right. How how are you doing? How how do we find you on this day of podcast recording? I'm in a good mood. I've been doing. I've been I've been buying a lot of furniture on marketplace. Which means, by proxy, I've been doing a lot of really shady drives with, like, full bookcases resting on my shoulder and my little hatchback. So it's been fun. I've enjoyed it. I mean, of all the shady drives that can take place, the fact that you're transporting bookshelves is probably, the well, makes them not as shady, really. I think. Well, I think the problem is that there's a certain legality issue to having a four-foot car with a six-foot bookcase poking out the back of it. Yeah, it's a good thing we record these in advance because there's. I assume we're going to beat whatever the statute of limitations <laughs> are for not securing down a bookshelf in your car is. Yeah, I think I'll be okay. Fancy. How are you? What have you been up to? Not too bad. Uh, I had a bit of extra time, so I have been catching up on comics, uh, which... Well, that's good. Well, well, not just the comics that we read for these episodes, but comics of... Um, just trying to keep up to date i've i've faltered a bit in my keeping up to date with like the big marvel and dc and other such so i've been catching up but what's good about that is being able to read loads in one go binging, rather, yeah. yeah binging it rather than reading an issue per thing per month because i think there's an issue right now with television binging where it's like people like the binging when netflix first started doing it it's like bloody hell a whole series at once oh my yeah. god it's christmas and now everyone's kind of sick of it. They're like, a, new, a whole season just dropped. And you're like, oh, I've got like, I had plans, but I want to watch it. I had stuff and, to do. And people are realizing, I think, the the um, required discipline of the weekly release yeah. has actually, is much better. We're like, as collectively, as people who watch TV in the streaming era, we're like kids who were given sweets instead of dinner. Yeah, We 100%. were like, oh my God, this is amazing. And now we feel sick. It's like, can we have 
Vegetables, please. Could I have some vegetables first? I feel the same way about the new the Breath of the Wild sequel. Enlighten me on that, because that's a that's a confusing one for me. Well, it's coming out in the summer. And I'm not going to be able to take little sips. So I'm just going to be locked away in my cavern for an entire summer playing Zelda that instead is, of having a life. That is the inherent problem with video games. It's yeah. actually I've, I've actually kind of weaned myself off video games to focus on comic books. Telltale had it right, putting out their games episodically, man. <laughs> yeah, but the Telltale style of game was... I enjoyed them, but what you had, unfortunately, was... Me, I'm a very stubborn person by nature. I don't know if that comes across <laughs> in the podcast, but it, it absolutely comes across. I'm quite don't you worry. I'm quite stubborn in doing things the way I want yeah, them yeah, to be done. 100%. And with the Telltale game, it's like you your choices affect the story. It's like, well, for one thing, there's no true choice based video games <laughs> because they all have three endings <laughs> the good ending, the bad ending, and the neutral ending. <laughs> And it can take you all which way during the game, but you're gonna get to one of those endings. Yeah. The best ones, the the best ones you can get are, in my opinion, ones like The Witcher 3, where there's still the three ultimate endings, but there's a lot of smaller endings for side characters. So how you interact with them, when it gets to the end, it goes, hey, you remember that guy you interacted? Well, this is how your actions affected them. And now it's done, but not the game is still going. I've never played a Witcher game. I thoroughly enjoyed the Witcher TV show, but again, coming back around to your grand point, I binged it. Both time, both both of the seasons that came out, I binged them. So I couldn't tell you a fucking Scooby-Doo of what happened, because I watched it all over one glorious weekend. Mm. I think there's a difference between like TV shows and comics, because the comic style, the monthly release, I think it's so antiquated. I think we're still dealing... Well, because I think we're still dealing with when they were issues sold on like newspaper stands. So when mm. they were sold like that, you economically, I think you could. Own, I, I might be wrong on this. Or this is this could be actual a topic that we do for a barely liter episode or something. But there was, I think there was some kind of economic reasons why they could only do like twenty pages based on like yeah. the old printing presses and publications stuff like that. Whereas nowadays we have trade paperback graphic novels that are released they're 150 ish pages mm. and they're just they're, they're, here's a book of comic books essentially here's a graphic novel yeah um but now because they still try and do the monthly release like marvel and dc especially and even image and boom and dark horse and all the rest of them they they it's i think they're still doing the antiquated version and 20 issues a month for me is enough to completely forget the story in between each time what, and, 20 pages a month? Sorry, 20 pages. Yeah, 20 pages a month. 20, no, actually 22, 23 technically. But so Marvel and DC, I, I actually, I don't even know if DC do this, but Marvel do a recap on each one. Mm. And if I were reading a monthly, I would need those recaps to be it's like, what annoying actually happened? when you're doing what we do though and absorb yeah. on a week. Well, uh, an, an issue a week. Oh, do you mean a title, like a different title a week? Yeah, absolutely. Well, at least we're binging whatever the amount is that we get through for an episode. We get, through that and can read that and get it all in one go i think when i'm watching netflix the recap shames me the same as the would you like us to ask you again if you're still watching yes i'm still watching well i'm using this to coax my brain into doing some work yes i know i've watched eight hours of the big bang theory today i get it just please leave me alone netflix i mean anyone would be ashamed if they did that but the point is um the that re- little wry smile. <laughs> the, re- the recap <laughs> no, is... Let's not gloss over that. That was cruel. 
Oh, it's Big Bang Theory. You hurt my feelings. The thing about... (laughs) Doesn't give a shit. Yeah, in the (laughs) nicest possible way. In the most glossing over, like, anyway, moving on. Anywho, moving swiftly on like a bird on a summer's morn. But the recap is good if you are watching a TV show weekly. Yes. Whether it's half an hour, 40 minutes, hour, whatever, I'm not going to remember everything. The problem with the recaps with TV shows sometimes is it'll be like, hey, remember this thing from two seasons ago and when this person appeared? Yeah. And you go, okay, so they're coming back this episode. So it's like, don't tell me if they were memorable of character of their, if they were a memorable character before, then I'll remember them. But mm. I just need to know what happened last week, like the immediate last week. So I yeah. can remember what happened. So it gives me context for this week. But comic books, I think their monthly issues, I don't think I can only binge them now, from now on. I don't think I'm going to follow comics <laughs> monthly again. I think I'm going to leave each one. If I'm following a long series, like Thor, I just caught up on, and that was like like 40 issues now or something. Yeah. I think I'll do that like maybe at least five issues at a time. And that's normally a run of a story or an arc of a story anyway. But yeah, I've been catching up. Uh, X-Men, amazing. Love catching up on that. Um, that's going to be the basis for my first couple of comic stand videos when they, uh, once they're but up and running. now's not the time to talk about that. No, it's not the time to talk about that. Now it's time <laughs> to talk about a different Marvel Now's title. the time to talk about COD. Uh, no, now we're talking about <laughs> something else. We're, well, we're here this week to actually talk about uh, the Spider-Man, but not the Spider-Man, the Spider-Man, because they're all Spider-Man. It's Miles Morales Spider-Man, who I would say is the far more interesting of the Spider-Man at this point in he's time. He's my favourite Spider-Man. I think he's a lot of people's favourites. And I think the reason is, is that, I mean, it's getting into a heavy, but I think the main reason is, is he just ha- was a breath of fresh air in terms of like story and everything. Yeah, he was cool. Because and- do, do you remember, you, you and I were both reading a lot of comics at work. When we should have been working, yes. Yeah, yeah, when we should have been working. But again, we've reached the statute of limitations on that one as well. Um, We were both consuming a lot of comics when Miles Morales came out. And I forget who, but one of us came to the other and was like, have you seen this new fucking Spider-Man run? Mm. Like, it, it, it blew me away, that first Miles Morales run. Well, what's interesting, I think, is I don't think either of us saw the proper first Miles Morales run. Because that was take that took place in the Ultimate Marvel Universe. Oh right, so it was so, like deep cut Marvel yeah, he, nerd he, shit. He kind of started as like a he grew to cult fame, or not even cult fame, but like I don't know what the what. How would you describe it? It's like only the diehard fans know it, and then yeah, the he rest was a cult fans. hero. Yeah, so he was a cult favorite uh, when he started because he started this Ultimate Marvel Universe. Yeah. And it's interesting with that because the reason he started there was the Ultimate Marvel Universe was kind of like a throw shit at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, as, as, as we've talked about this over and over again, haven't we? Anything that the big two do that's new or interesting is a throwing shit at the, a wall experiment, isn't it? Yes. And one where they definitely feel like this isn't, our, <laughs> this isn't our main thing so we can experiment a bit. Um, interestingly, um, I forgot to get this kind of research ready, but I actually, rem- for the first time, I actually remembered it hey! from my own actual brain. Do you know who created Mars Morales? No. It was Brian Michael Bendis. Do you know what else Brian Michael Bendis wrote? Well, you're going to have to remind me. He wrote a uh, cult favorite of the show, uh, the comic book series, The Ones. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. No, is that the same chat? Same guy. So the thing with Brian Michael Bendis is, and I well, think this Brian does Michael apply. Bendis, do you know what, mate? We were unkind to you when we read The Ones. Justifiably. 
Yeah, no, it was shit. It wasn't. But- <laughs> it wasn't like it wasn't biased. It wasn't out of nowhere. You no, you. I had to sit through an hour of reading a hot pile of garbage that you fucking wanked out over an afternoon. But Miles Morales, cool as fuck. Is Brian? What's his name? Brian Michael Bendis. Could you could could you allow me a moment where I do something that isn't massively politically incorrect? I mean, you've made me more nervous than if you just asked for a second to do something without. May I inquire as to his ethnicity? He's white. Oh well, that's that's interesting, isn't it? I think I think he wrote it from a point of being like, we have we've only had white Spider Men and Spider Women, so let's shake it up. And I think I think they had a they were interesting choices in making him half black, half Hispanic, and I think that helps with i don't think that element of it matters i was gonna say i think it helps with more his feeling of growing up and not knowing his not knowing his place i think that's uh yeah that's an underrepresented part of the society because these days more and more people are multi multi-ethnic for multiple ethnicities mixed race mixed race the term we use so we like you the most scandinavian looking viking yeah me and all the the other whites i'm part nordic part swedish (laughs) mixed mixed race is the term that white people currently think is least offensive to you know people who are mixed race or black or brown yes so and I, we and ultimately unfortunately ultimately we do decide it's really sad but we kind of do and also if you if you if you're listening and you disagree or you think it should be something else write and let us know love the discourse always want to hear back yeah and i think with him it, it helped it helped give across this feeling of not not necessarily not belonging but just feeling like uh, is identity like that's the point of a young Spider-Man or Spider-Character is lack of identity. Yeah. It's finding yourself in the world. And it's always drawn between, because the Spider-Man, Peter Parker, always drawn between normal Peter Parker and superhero Spider-Man. And I think that added another dimension of feeling where you are. Which is fascinating because the way that Miles Morales is always pictured, he looks in, like prototypically African-American. Yes, he does. He's 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 pictured to be the prototypical African American African American male, and he lives in Brooklyn, which you know you would think that actually a young black man in Brooklyn would have a really strong sense of his identity. Um, and so it, yeah, I can understand why adding that other kind of cultural influence in there, but it doesn't. Again, it's one of those things that it's a neat thing that they they did, but I never really feel that that influences the story or Miles' choices very often. I think it's more of a representation of his um, active choices in life because, and this is based off, I don't know if this is being explored as much in the comics or not, but I know in the Spider-Verse uh, animated movie, which is fantastic, really good. amazing, if, you, if anyone's not seen it, say, like, get out of your way to see it as soon as possible in time for the second one, which also looks good, that's coming out soon, which we will... Well, there's a sequel coming out that's kind of why we're doing this episode oh fuck i didn't so realize soon after the release oh, of the film shit. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it so much i really liked john mulaney yeah spider pig yeah amazing. he was so good the perfect the scripting film was amazing as well because it wasn't just like i'm an animal i'm a cartoon animal isn't that wacky it was like they're all meeting uh, and yeah. spider-man was like oh the darkness and everything and the the japanese anime spider-man yeah. is like no spider she's a she's a like she basically looks like hatsune miku in a mech suit yes yeah and that's all like of that style and then you've just got john ham john mulaney spider ham who's like 
pleased to meet you. My hands are wet because I just washed them. <laughs> was like, perfect line that I, I would never think of to like encompass like, his character. It was like they'd thrown a Looney Tunes character into the middle. Into yeah, the mix, exactly. That was hundred percent the thing. Yeah, that's what they were going for. Uh, right? Yeah. Um, but I think with Miles Morales in the Spider Verse film, one of the the juxtapositions of his character is he's because of his intelligence, he's sent to a a great high prestigious school prestigious school, high yeah. school yeah where he's one of the few black people in there or mixed race people in there and he has to reconcile with not wanting to be there because he doesn't feel like he fits in but everyone else around him is telling him it's like this is your opportunity to get above what you think you deserve in life that kind of thing and actually he just wants to hang out in brooklyn and with- he just wants to experience with his uncle aaron who is yeah. the kind of pulling the opposite way character who he idolizes, and his uncle's like shady as fuck. Even well, he's the before. big bad, isn't he? Well, in in a way, yeah. So, I mean, spoiler for the Spider Verse, but it's a long established. Let's thing not in the get film. into yeah, it. Yeah. Let's not get into it. Well, I think it's, it's a worth whole tangent. Getting, it's worth getting into. It's that his. It's an interesting one where his it the Prowler is not really his big bad as such. It's more of a character point. Yeah. If at least in my uh, my opinion, I others might disagree, but I feel like Mars Mars. He's not really had a big bad in the Prowler, but he's had a constant character point of having a relative who is a who is a supervillain, yeah, and trying to reconcile with that. And Prowler himself has jumped back and forth between good and bad, depending on I think what point they are in the volume yeah. or whether it's rebooted or not or anything. But it's always been an interesting point, and I think that speaks even more to the you know the juxtaposition of or juxtaposition of his character. Yeah, I feel like he wants to be a hero, but he's also lenient on his supervillain uncle and so i think he's a very well written interesting character and i think these are all all we've said are all the reasons why he took off as he did because he was this new breath of fresh air i think it's interesting that within the kind of way that marvel is being released and written now we're already at the point where we're a handful of revisions separated from the original character like we're already what we're reading what we're talking about today is already a reboot from last year Yes, exactly. That's an important one, I think, because this episode, I think it's kind of going to be generally about Miles Mouse as a character and also about the specific title that started in late last year. So it's only it's the newest issue, the newest volume, five issues. It's just started. Um, it's kind of I thought it was an interesting one to pick up because it's not necessarily I don't think the best that he's had in terms of no. comic runs. But it's interesting to see where the character is now. I feel like I'm missing a lot of context for a lot of it as well. There's little bits that when I read, I thought, oh, Jamie's not going to know that. But I think only maybe one or two bits, I think, were like even semi-important to the story. Would you say you understood the story? You didn't. It wasn't like Meet the Scrolls where you're like, I don't know what's happening. No, I got what was happening. Hmm. Obviously, I didn't recognize any of his villains. Um, the, The big bad from the five issue run yeah so yeah they were new i got real green goblin vibes yes i made a note of that i felt like they were trying to uh well before we start it's only five issues so we are just talking about it all together yeah. no spoils or anything mm-hmm, i'm just saying that because people might be people like oh this sounds uh, well no what we have to do before that is how would you recommend this story? I, I'm, we're not doing that today. Come we're on. Just, we're just getting into it, man. Like, yeah, this is us getting into it. This is jazz, baby. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's your solo. Go oh, ahead. Oh, no, <laughs> motherfucker. You used, you used the parlance of jazz against me. I, I was lucky that there are solos in jazz because I didn't know that 100% when I said it. <laughs> it's like, think of a musical term. 
<laughs> Take it to the bridge, baby. <laughs> so I'm a I'm a human. <laughs> you can't just do that instead of the recommendation. You can't just make math noises and, get, and expect to get out of it like you do always. <laughs> like you normally do in awkward situations. Like, oh, he's air basing. <laughs> leave him alone. So I'm a human. Um, re- how would you recommend to me this? Or how would you tell me what the story's about without spoiling it? Okay. Um, and I'll, t- I'll give you a little better. I'll even say I, I don't know Miles Morales. I gen- I'm, I'm one of those run-of-the-mill, on-the-street people. I know Spider-Man. I maybe know the name Peter Parker. That's about it. I'm, I've maybe seen a couple of the Peter Parker main films. How would you recommend Miles Morales? Did you love Spider-Man in the 90s? Did you often come away from that experience thinking, Peter Parker's really white? Spider-Man, the animated series from the 90s? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was all white, yeah. Oh, man. So if you came away from that experience thinking, I really want Peter Parker to be a highly intelligent young black kid from the hood in Brooklyn. Black or mixed race. Or mixed race. Yes. Um, oh, don't, Miles Morales self-identifies as black, though, doesn't he? I have no idea oh, and sure nothing to does. base that on. I'm pretty sure he does. I feel like you need to, for such a claim, I think you need to source that. The te- I mean, we need textual evidence. It's also, his mum is a... Is a in, uh, fiery Hispanic woman. She like, is, yeah. She's fit. I lo- I love when she like descends into Spanish, makes and that that's so what makes me think he doesn't just identify as one or the other. That's yeah, why I- it makes sense. Um, did you love Spider Man? We're gonna start again. Okay. If you loved Spider Man in the nineties, you loved Spider Man in the nineties, but you wanted something with a little bit of a darker edge. Maybe you wanted to see Spider-Man get into some detective work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then this is it for you. Fair. He does some detective work then. I mean, maybe. I don't want to spoil it. It sounds like he does some detective work, but I feel like that's a... (laughs) But that's also a... That's a vague enough recommendation that I'll allow it. Yeah. So the five issues that you read, did you enjoy them? I enjoyed parts. There were... My overall, I think... Overall, I think it's kind of right. It's just above right down the middle for me. I would. Right, okay. I would place it between. Somewhere between run of the mill Marvel comic and good Marvel comic. That it's somewhere between. Yeah, it didn't rock my world. It's the problems. uh, The problems with it are not like egregious ones that I'm like, oh, I didn't like this about it. But I felt like there were spaces where not as much interesting stuff happened. And or and wasn't even setting up. Basically, there was a lot of like stereotypical uh, villain fights and things like that. Which, well, yeah. So I read five issues and I saw maybe three different villains in that time. Yes, I'd say so. Three to four. And do you want me to um, do the the blurb? I mean, if you want, I feel like we're kind of already <laughs> in the flow of a conversation. Okay. Do you want to give me a voice to do in? Oh, yeah, okay. Um, I want you to do the blurb as Woody Allen. <sighs> but, I mean, luckily I've barely watched any Woody Allen. Like, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So we can't, we can't, Woody Allen doesn't, doesn't float. I feel like, I feel like it would be cancelable if I attempted. <laughs> as in how bad it the would Jewish be. The Jewish community would yes. be un- un- unhappy with this. Exactly. Okay, so can I, can I have a list of like, Four pre-approved voices that we can use here. I mean, I'd say any that are white are probably a safe bet. Woody Allen's white. 
<laughs> white in like a privileged sense. <laughs> For the listener, the look on Ryan's face as he tried to work out how to explain that comment. Yeah, not oh. not not that white. <laughs> the other white. <laughs> um, how good's your Michael Caine? I'll give it a go. Um, probably not as good as uh, who does it? Um, Rob. Rob Brydon, Rob Brydon, and, and Steve, Steve Coogan. Coogan. They do great ones, yeah. Um, all right. Trial by Spider. Spider-Man faces the strongest super-powered foes and most dangerous gauntlets the multiverse can throw his way. And every time Miles Morales falls, he rises again. <laughs> Stronger than before. <laughs> Until now. <laughs> <laughs> there are some punches you don't get up from and a new villain isn't pulling a single one as they threaten everyone and everything miles loves between school home is love life and battling supercharged and upgraded villains night and day miles is reaching his breaking point and when his new foe, I'm going to speed up. And when his new foe is finished, Spider-Man's world will be changed forever. Guest starring Matt Gargan, a.k.a. The Scorpion. Don't miss the next Marvel masterpiece from writer Cody Ziegler. And artist Federico... Federico Vicetini. Hey! Anyway. Oh, I, should really, I should really give up this point. I realised my, my well of impressions is so shallow that I should probably give up this point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I can do one as Jon Snow one week if you want. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, when you when we'll bring like when you bring a title to so like one you love, like say next Pokemon one or something like that. Yeah, we'll do it that one or whenever you're whenever you're feeling up to it. To be perfectly yeah, whenever, honest, whenever I'm having a good enough day, I'm in a good mood today. Today would have yes. been a good time to try and make me do something like that. <laughs> I mean, and yet you've screamed and kicked at. Dragging to the <laughs> recommendation. <laughs> I feel good. I could do anything today, except things I don't like. <laughs> yeah, well, this is it. Yeah, absolutely. That's so it makes it a normal day. Yeah, yeah, I, maybe. I think, as I said, we're going to get into the character generally as well as the latest run because I think, again, in recommending it, the the latest run had points that I thought were really good and interesting, but they were tucked in between generic well, stretches. This is my problem with it. And this is often my problem with Mar with Marvel and DC Comics, dude, is that it's always the same story. Yeah. A bad guy has my love interest stroke friend stroke mum, and I need to go and have a super fight in New York to rescue them. Yeah, exactly. And it's, I think... And, and, and I get it, because that's what the people who consume this shit come here for. Right, that's why they go there. Well, I don't even know if they do because the the sales on these kind of titles are not doing as well. These are days. they are they just plummeting? So sales in comic books generally are going up as mm. a whole, but they, from what I've seen, and I maybe someone has some study or uh, some data to dis to. Oh no, it's disagree. It's it, it, the honey sweet is it data or data? It's data. Data. <laughs> It would no. It's you know it's data. Come okay. on, are you just are you just doing this to upset me? All right. If someone says some <laughs> some data, that might disagree. Yeah. But apparently, overall comics are increasing in sales. Uh, comics, graphic novels, mangas. But 
the areas where they seem to be actually increasing the most are in non-superhero comics. Yeah, and let's if if we if we look at the stuff that we've read just for this project that has turned us on the most, it is the non-superhero stuff. And I th- I think it's not even necessarily the superhero genre. It's it's characters that are considered too big to fail. Yeah, and by too big to fail, normally that's an economic thing for like. You know, McDonald's can never go out of business because it's too big to fail. What I mean here is I think they're too big to be given risks. Well, do you know where that expression too big to fail comes from? Uh, David and Goliath. It, no, it's it's not that they're too big. It's not that they're so big that they will never fail. It's that they're so big that if they did fail, they would take a huge hole out of the economy and we'd all be right. fucked. Yeah. So um, I, and and th- and that's the thing, isn't it? I suppose that's where these characters live in their universes is that actually a really really bad superman run or batman run or spider-man run or iron man run would take out a big enough chunk of their profit share that it would like share shareholders would get upset yeah and so it's they, that simple isn't it they have to play it they feel like they have to play it kind of safe in the middle and say look we need x y and z to always happen because we can't risk it not happening and people not buying it i suspect that's the thing i'd love if there's any insiders to marvel or dc or anyone who can provide an insight i would love to hear it i'd I'd be fascinated to know what kind of decision making goes on with this yeah i agree with you because there is this there is this top level corporate decision making that's happening and deciding that i imagine you i imagine you could cast a net out within our audience alone and find a bunch of people passionate enough about comics and who are good enough to uh, as writers mm. that would be able to give you an interesting and novel Superman mm. story. It's not it's not a lack of talent amongst the writers. There is a lack of willingness somewhere in this production chain to give us anything exciting to the point that actually when I first read Miles Morales like what 5 6 years ago mm. it was incredibly fresh, incredibly novel, incredibly exciting. And then I read this run and went, oh, it's a bit stale already. Yeah. And I like think, somebody left the bag open. Yeah. And I can give you a prime example of the talent being there and not being utilized. I One of my favorite runs of a super title is actually a relatively recent one. And I hopefully will do at some point. It's, I've mentioned it to you, it's the Immortal Hulk. And that was at a point where the Hulk character was like kind of like this, like same old again. Uh, he'd just been killed off in Civil War Two. Mm. Bruce Banner uh, was killed, and then he came back briefly as like a plot point in Civil War Two, and then he was dead again. But then his death actually, actually was the catalyst for this new series by a writer. The art was amazing as well. I never looked up the art, so I really need to because the art was really dark and gothic. Um, they at one point they use a panel from is it um. Who's the? Do you know the artist who did the Jupiter eating his son? Do you know what I mean? I do. I can't remember his name, but he was an artist who was like he was. Uh, this kind of actually relates to this. He was an artist who did a lot of like kind of safe stuff in terms of his art, and he was relatively well known. Even though I can't remember his name, I'm gonna look it up. But he was relatively well known um, as just normal artist. And then I say normal artist. He was a considered good artist. Yes. Then after he died. Um, his um, his family or next of kin or estate or whoever, they were basically going through his stuff after he yeah. died. And um, 
and sorting through it. And at one point he had this room or a shed or something and they pulled off like the walls and there was he painted on the walls oh there was these lovely frescoes in this shed they were the darkest fucking (laughs) horrific (laughs) like for the time yeah yeah. scary um pictures the artist's name was francisco goya and he's from the 17th century yeah, yeah. yeah i know goya so they one of the bits they took his jupiter eating his son painting which when you look at it the eyes of jupiter are really fucking disconcerting yeah they took that and used that for a panel in this incredible in this uh immortal hulk right and it was literally a character a hulked up gamma character was eating the hulk's heart oh and but it was like it was such a, like a bloody hell like, w- w- like imagine this kind of miles Morales story yeah. th- th- this version of a hulk story and then going from that to this where the hulk might be the devil and you don't know yeah and he's like intelligent and only comes out at night and he's like imposing and he's not like smash he's like he's he's stands next to characters and you don't know if he's gonna suddenly rip them apart or just like give them a scathing insult there's an unpredictability to exactly it. yeah um so that run was written by now take such a tangent um that was written by right really have <laughs> yeah. we're fucking gone i'm man. coming back i'm coming back so, so cod no so, <laughs> not the cod um so that was written by a guy called Al Ewing, British comic book writer. So I picked up his name from this run. I thought, I'm going to keep an eye out for what he does, especially when that run ended. So I was reading Thor, and there was a point where a couple of issues were written by Al Ewing. And I saw his name at the front of the- The same Goya painting. <laughs> <laughs> Thor eating a heart. Like, come on, Al. Bloody hell. But it was this Thor comic, and I saw his name on the front. I was like, oh, bloody hell, Al Ewing. Like, let's get I'm into this. For this. It was just the same as same old stuff. And, and and we talk about this, like, you know, something like that happening that invigorates the character. Miles Morales was that for Spider-Man. Yeah. And when I think about um, Tom Holland's Spider-Man in the MCU, you, you're going to have to take a stretch with me here. But a lot of what was happening to Tom Holland's Spider-Man, I really felt that actually at some point in the development of that character, they were talking about that Spider-Man not being Peter Parker and being Miles Morales. Down to the fact that Peter, like Peter Parker's best friend in that, looks suspiciously like Gank. Yeah, and I, Gank, I, I Gank or Ganky, Ganky. It's a nickname, I think. Yeah, but can you see my point? Like, actually, when at the point where they were able to bring Peter Parker into the MCU, the most interesting stuff that was happening at that point for Spider-Man was the Mars Morales stuff. And so they used a lot of the story beats and a lot of the stuff from the Miles Morales comics in the MCU. And it was, you know, he had that effect. And we've now gotten to the point where we've come full circle and actually his stuff's getting a little bit stale. So I, I, I agree with your specific example. Mm. I disagree on the overall use of the Tom Holland Spider-Man. I think that he was more influenced. I agree that he, that friend is obviously pulled from Miles Morales. I think everything else was more of them going back to the original Peter Parker. Yeah, who was a, a much younger Peter Parker. He was Parker. a 15-year-old yeah. Spider-Man and doing all the stuff, balancing high school and Spider-Man. Isn't, isn't that what Miles Morales was doing? Yes. and but So the point I was going to get to was that I think Miles Morales, they took what worked originally with Peter Parker and then they gave it the modern update with Miles Morales. Yeah. I think that's with some extra stuff as well. But I think that's that's kind of contributed to his success. That going back to the well of what originally made Peter Parker work, 
the problem with Peter Parker is they've inevitably aged him over yeah. the years, and they keep going back and forth with making him something different, and then going back to the safe route where he's struggling again. Well, because Peter Parker's present here, isn't he? I he might be dead at this point, actually. Well, so I've I've heard. So yeah, there was there was a couple of panels where Miles was sort of saying, "Oh, this is what Peter would have said to me," and you know, I miss him, kind of thing, and then. Tiana started talking about him as if he was alive, and I was really confused. Yeah, and to be honest, I didn't know as well. I'm not. I stopped reading Amazing Spider-Man, the Peter Parker run, because for the again, it was just so boring. Nothing interesting was happening, so I just gave up on it. Yeah, I might go back to it <laughs> just but, to work it out. Well, no, not even that. It's funny actually. The guy who's writing Sp- Peter Parker Spider-Man right now, he said fans might be really angry with May's issue to the point that. <laughs> The writer might not go to like comic conventions because he thinks people are going to be so angry with it. So naturally, I'm like, "What's he done to Aunt May?" I don't. No, no. The May issue. The issue coming. Oh, out of May, I see. Yeah. Sorry. Easy, yeah, yeah. easy mistake with the with the in prominent the, the... character called May in here. But uh, that's interested me. But then I'm like, is, "Are they just saying that so people will buy that yeah, issue?" Yeah, yeah. But then, like a gimmick like that, you can't keep doing it. <laughs> can't be like, "Oh, th- that issue was actually fine." But the next, next issue, that, <laughs> I'm going to get cancelled for that one. Like, it's not an ongoing thing. So I'm yeah. interested to see what it is that they think is going to anger people. But the problem with Peter Parker Spider-Man is they keep, do, they keep evolving the character into new areas. And then they go, oh, the sales haven't like, reached all-time highs. Let's go back again. So he gets married and then he gets divorced. And then he gets married again. And then Mephisto makes him forget that they were married yeah. to give Aunt May another day in the one of the worst Spider-Man stories ever, of all time. Um, and then he's a billionaire. He's got Parker Industries. He yeah. literally becomes a billionaire. Well, that's, then, that's, where, that's the Peter Parker that we see in the Spider-Verse film, isn't it? No, no. He's... No, so that's the Peter Parker that I remember from the first Miles Morales run. Yes, so when we were reading around yeah. the same time, that was post- uh secret wars 2016 2015 around 2015, that time 2016 yeah. yeah and so they rebooted all of the titles they rebooted them after uh, under the banner all new all different <laughs> they weren't new they weren't different <laughs> but peter parker was a billionaire yeah and then uh, i always credit these references this is not my take this is from the weekly planet podcast oh, but no. they were talking about the billionaire Peter Parker, and they was like, and then he just dropped his billions down the a drain. He was like, oh shucks, and now I'm not a billionaire anymore. Yeah, like that's essentially what happened. Because the Peter Parker we got in Spider Verse, he was kind of getting a little bit chubby, and he was down on his yes. luck, and he was divorced, and he was unhappy, wasn't he? Yes, exactly. Yeah, but even then, they moved him forward because we see in the trailer for the next one, he has a kid, and <laughs> and that's actually that's a cool reference. There's some like alt universe Spider Man where him and um mary jane have a kid yeah and they call her may parker and her uh, nickname is like a spider she has spider powers yeah. so her nickname is mayday as like a oh, character that's cool so that's a it's that's a cool, cool thing i hope they do more with her as a character I think yeah that'd be cool. but yeah the peter park one they keep having to bring him back and i think the, the advantage of the miles morales one was they could make him high school age and do all the stuff properly yeah rather than making peter parker poor again and he suddenly he has to go back to working at the bugle yeah as um he went back go back as like a science yeah um, writer it's like oh remember when you used to take photos like yeah i was a fucking billionaire and now i'm, <laughs> I'm back working with you schmucks like god so yeah but I, think- I think that's and, and and maybe that's part of my issue with 
superhero comics is this constant need to reinvent characters and bring them back and retell their backstories and i feel like it's a roll of the dice for me every time i open a spider-man comic yeah 100 am i gonna get something interesting or am i just gonna watch his uncle die again yes and am i just gonna hear his uncle tell me about the weight of responsibility once more or am i gonna see something interesting and you never really know what you're gonna get what you do know is that it's gonna be one of three spider-men yeah you know and two points on that one is now you understand my suffering as a as a super comic reader because you you wade through all this kind of boring shit where it doesn't get so bad that you put it down although it has done occasionally for me but most of the time it it, there's still little interesting parts that keep you going and then you realize after a while it's like i'm not that interested in this why am i still reading this yeah but then you keep going and like say batman i was reading that for a while almost was given up and then the tom king run started yeah and i was like i recognized the name so i was like oh shit like he wrote fucking visions and mr miracles i was like let's see where this goes and then it's a great batman run so you kind of have this like is it like you say you open the page is it gonna be good this time and it's interesting because you read comics but i wouldn't even say that you have dedicated enough time to it to have that level of expertise in every single run that of course every... not no do you know what i mean and, and and i'm sure those people exist and there's but the like i'm is... sure if we got bob shipman on yeah he would be able to give us this incredibly detailed history of spider-man and which bits are good and which bits are bad but i essentially through the course of the you know six to what, six months we've been doing this now yeah I've become a little bit more than a casual comic book reader. Yeah. I read a full run of something every week. Um, and so I think that's probably a little bit more than a casual reader would generally consume. Well, it's, it's hard to say because a casual reader might have more titles they're following on a, a weekly or monthly basis. Or they might only be following a certain host of characters. And so yes. they would have just read all the Spider-Man. Yeah. But anytime we dip into comic book stuff, I'm always like, there is so much lore here yeah. that I need to sift through to make this story compelling and interesting. Yeah. And I think and part of it, I think, is that they're leaning into this big universe that they're creating. Oh, I mean, they've, they've lent on that for decades now. And yeah, and so it means that you need to be familiar with everything. But it meant that I was reading this and I was always second guessing, like, is this a new character? that i'm supposed to be surprised by or is this somebody that's returning and Mm. you know is there a relationship here that i don't understand because actually oh well it was first established in the original run you know do you know what i mean like it it makes it really impenetrable and i I think it means that even when they're telling me an interesting story even when something compelling is happening on the page i'm one step removed because i'm sifting through the weight of all of this law trying to get to it yeah like, you know, Miles' Miles's parents were on the verge of death in this issue, and I didn't mm. really care. Yeah, I say, you, they, even if you keep reading, they normally are. Like, they are the Mary Jane yeah. of, of, of Miles yeah. Morales. They are constantly in peril. Um, there was a point before where Miles was trying to hide his identity from them, so it was a bit more, there was a bit more tension because they were like, are they going to wonder why they are in peril continuously? But now they know and they're in on it with him they're like yeah miles is trying to save the day and someone's being a dick and he'll, hopefully he'll save us like he did last time and i my, i have a fundamental con- complaint with superheroes that hide their identity from their loved ones sure which is that 
you could put me in a full body suit, right? Right. And my mum would see me from 300 metres away and go, why the fuck is Jamie wearing that stupid suit? Like, there, we, we have, as human beings, we have this, and I, and I know this is a silly place to stop suspending my disbelief. Yeah, no, I understand, I understand. But it's kind of like, oh, I'm hiding my identity from you. It's like, no, I would recognise you from a million miles away with the, your, your entire body obscured. Well, you are my son stroke parent stroke partner. Like, I can tell it's you by the way that you move your head. Oh, yeah. Like, I know that it's you. To be fair with, um, to be fair with, uh, comics the body types in comics are quite uniform <laughs> just because of the artist so it's like are we implying that because in this universe there are no fat people <laughs> well Gangi's a bit he's a bit bigger he is isn't he but i think that's a character trait whereas your bystanders i mean i think they do a i think nowadays they do a good job making bystanders more um, yeah i mean when we get into big bertha Yes, yeah. That's happening at some point. And Big Barda. She's a great one as well. Yeah. We've got, we, we'll do a double episode. The big... The double big, episode. <laughs> <laughs> big double <girl>. stacked. <laughs> I knew it was coming. Yeah. Um, but no, it's... Yeah, no, I get that. And, ob- and obviously, you know, I'm, I'm aware that I need to suspend my disbelief to enjoy this shit. And, and again, it's one of those things that when you're into, like, fantasy or sci-fi or whatever, and people say, oh, well, that's where you choose to have the issue. You know, people can fly and people turn into spiders, but your problem is that his mum doesn't recognise him. I'm like, yeah, but a fantasy world needs to be rooted in a certain level of realism to make yeah. it compelling to me. It depends what the rules of the universe are mm. for me. But then, like, that is something that has been addressed somewhere in other characters. Like, Superman has a whole thing where, because his identity was just glasses, yeah. the other writers over the decades since have introduced other aspects into why it works so there's little things like sometimes his glasses are kryptonian technology so they create like a distortion where when he's wearing them people don't see him properly but then then there's other ones where someone has shown um someone shown his posture so when he's clark kent he's a bit hunched hunched over over, and when he's superman he's standing up straight and like little things like that in the spider-verse film um when miles is talking to his own dad he's like Oh uh, yeah, thanks, Officer uh, Davis. Uh, uh, <laughs> yes, thanks for your help. I remember. And, and it's funny to us as the audience because we're like, "Why is he putting on that voice?" But like this, you know, his dad never met Spider-Man before. Here's his voice, and mate, there's a thing about there is a a cognitive dissonance that comes with seeing someone doing fantastical things. Yeah, and never, and not even thinking it's possible that they could be someone in your life. It's kind of like. It's like seeing like a celebrity on TV, like in a in a main Hollywood blockbuster film that's all around the world. And if someone you knew there was someone who lived next door to you on the street, you'd be it's, like, it'd be such a weird feeling that I think you wouldn't be used to. It, and that's yeah. why that kind of helps. I've experienced this in my own life when I was doing karate to a really high level and I was doing a final in the national championships. I won, you know, I was really like lucky mm. or whatever. And I won. And I came out of it and my, my dad said, I couldn't believe that was you up there. Yeah. And it's like, oh yeah, because you were watching me do something to a really high level. Like you were watching yeah. me do, you were watching me excel at something and you don't watch me train every day. And so, yeah, that, yeah, I can understand that. Mm. There's a really nice bit in Pratchett about that. Right. Where um, the wizards are talking and they basically say that people will go to great lengths not to see something that doesn't fit into their worldview yeah and it's the way that magic gets past people in the disc world 
mm. is that you know people in Ankh-Morpork could just like oh that I just, just I just don't want to know yeah like they're just seeing all this fantastical shit happen around them and they're like yeah just get on with your day go to the pub it'll be okay mm. it's a good thing they do in the Batman films and stuff as well where they kind of more visually show it like the Playboy billionaire Bruce Wayne. He's not just, it's not just a, I'm a playboy, so why would I be a superhero? But it's how he acts around people. He's like so nonchalant and like meek, but not in like meek in a rich playboy kind of way, where he's like, I have people do everything for me. Like, I can't do anything myself. I've got a butler who dresses me. So when he's presenting that to the world, when people kind of think like, okay, who could actually have the resources to be Batman? They go, well, there is a billionaire, Bruce Wayne over there. It's like, I've seen him and he's... He's little, such a weed, like yeah, little Bruce Lane weeping about his parents again, like or or like getting drunk with um like ballet dancers, like he does in the film, or stuff yeah. like that, like or just being a cock, like just being an unlikable person. <sighs> Batman's another. We've not talked about a Batman title, and I think that's largely down to the fact that you know that I would vomit if we had to. Depends on the title. I I just find like I'd. I'd probably do a Killing Joke if you made me. <laughs> and what? And why is that? Because it's good. And why? Why is it good? Because because Batman's barely in it. <laughs> you know who wrote the Killing Joke? No, you don't. <laughs> no shit. Of course it is. No fucking shit. Did Alan Moore write the Killing? Yes. Kill- <laughs> <laughs> really? Yes. Well, it's his biggest one. Of, it's why another reason why he's so famous. He wrote one of the what's considered one of the best Batman stories. No, of all time. Alan yeah. Moore wrote a Killing Joke. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so good as well. Exactly. Oh, Alan. <laughs> every time, mate. You surprise us every time yeah. with how good you are. I never knew that. I've, I read it years ago. I thought you knew, and that's why I was like egging you on. Like, and? <laughs> no, no, honestly, mate. I genuinely didn't know. Well, we'll have to do that at some point. Maybe that'll be the one that we do for the next Batman big release. We can. There'll, there'll be something coming up, wouldn't there? There's well, we know there's, something there's another Robin. Robert Pattinson one coming, but I think that's not till like twenty twenty five. I uh, do you know what? I try not to. I try not to give it too much. I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying that you know my mind is a temple or anything. Like I consume garbage regularly. But people have their own garbage. Yeah, this yeah. is it, and it is not my garbage. Yeah, I mean, I I dislike reality TV, and getting at you earlier for watching Big Bang Theory. I also watch pro wrestling, and I know exactly yeah. how people who aren't into that think about that. Yeah, it's. Oh, man, there's something to be said for um, something that you can put your brain into autopilot for. I think the problem is that actually the people who really, really like that stuff try and elevate it to the you know heights of high art. And I'm like, it's not high art. It's silly. It's camp. I see. I'm of a different opinion that I think it, things can be both. I mm. think there can be high art elements in things that are old, that I think things can be higher and stupid at the same time. The ridiculous uh, and the sublime. Yeah. And I say that as a wrestling fan, because there's some wrestling matches and storylines and stuff that I'm like, this is good storytelling. Like mm. this is engaging storytelling. And also I appreciate the, the storytelling aspects that happen within the match. So without dialogue or script, yeah. or anything, that it's just a story told in pro wrestling medium. But again, I, that is to me, because I like the medium. And if someone doesn't like the medium, they're not going to appreciate, yeah, but this is the best version of it, you know? I think that's what people find in invasion sports. I think that's what people find in, like, football. Neither of us are really football people, are we? But my friends who are are like, look at this play. Look at how beautiful this is. Yeah. 
And when they tell me about it, it's very rarely the the raw technical aspects. It is a narrative that they're weaving around these two blokes passing a football back and forth the pitch up to each other and bopping it in the goal. Yeah. You know, it's it's poetry in motion. I know that's a really well-worn expression, but I think that's what people get out of it. Yeah. And I, I have far more respect for the football fans who are like that, who are like, I like this team because they're like these players or they they do well in this or whatever. And I like watching matches because I like seeing how it's done or whatever. I have far more respect for those kind of in-depth, essentially football nerds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have 100%. far more respect for them than the people who are just like, oh, I watch football because because uh, everyone does. And uh, yeah. my, t- my team is my hometown. I'm yeah. like, you don't even sound like you're that into it, but you commit to it regardless. Like that, that seems mm. weird to me. I hate the ones that just go and fight. Like that's like, <laughs> I can't think of any medium where like, just go fight on the street. You don't need to wait for a match. You could just get into it with the police anytime you want. Like, yeah, why they'll, they'll have a go. But they're like, I need to fight people because we're on different teams. It's like, this isn't, we aren't fucking nomadic tribes well, anymore. This, and I was about to say it's tribal. Yeah. Um, One thing I'd like to get into is what I do think was the interesting points of this, of this title. Because again, what I was saying earlier was there are good points that keep me going in titles like these. And it, it always kind of, I have to weigh them against the boring parts. So one of the things that I found interesting, mm. still yo thunder. Yeah, sure. Is... The same thing that we see happening in one of Tom Holland's Spider-Man films, which is where these low-level street villains start to get really good kit. Right. And they're kind of upping the ante. And I I found that quite compelling, this idea that we would see... Upgrades. Yeah, Yeah. upgrades is the the, the terminology they were Mm. using. It's their parlance, isn't it? I liked the... What's his name? Bumble or Bumbler? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He got upgrades and they just did not work at all. (laughs) And that was the first instance. And he was like all right, I guess <laughs> get some new tech, but this is going to yeah. be easy to deal with. And then when Scorpion has the upgrades, yeah. it's like, oh shit. So. And it's competence, isn't it? Like Scorpion and Bumbler. <laughs> yes. I know which one of those two people I'm more afraid of. It's good to have that scale of villains. I like yeah. Because it's not like they would just all be of the same vicious level. Yeah. You do have like the very street level, like who gives a shit. And then you've got like your Venom or Green Goblin or whatever, where it's like yeah. much higher stakes. Um, I, and Miles made that distinction, didn't he? There was a yeah. point where he was a bit down and he was like, I'm just going to go get on the streets. I'm just going to go have a scrap with a street villain. Yeah, and exactly. I liked that there's a running thing with Miles Morales, which is unique to him, mm. where his relation to the um, the original Spider-Man. So the Scorpion making the joke of, oh, was the real Spider-Man too busy? And I feel yeah. like that's something he has to deal with in assuming this mantle. And it, Yeah, and I suppose we're only just starting to see that because we're, get- we're getting all these second generation people who are taking up the mantle of original I mean, in the comics, it's been happening for about 10 years now. But, right, okay. But, like, they were introduced probably over 10 years ago, but now they, they are now themselves institutional characters. Yeah. So And uh, so we're actually, yeah, we're, we're not watching Miles be in awe of Peter Parker anymore. Mm. We're actually watching him have, try and step out of his shadow. And it, it says something as well, that the title of it is just Spider-Man in big letters, and then you've got the bit, the smaller part is Miles Morales. So it still distinguishes it, but whereas before, it would, I think the title would have been like, Miles Morales Spider-Man. Yeah. Like, it would have been all of that. Um, but they are, it's, it's a good, realistic thing, because I think it would have been a bit too like, I'm Spider-Man now, and everyone's going to call me Spider-Man, and no one's going to acknowledge that there's a different one. It's like, it, it feels realistic that there's, everyone's aware of the situation. I think it's the best way of doing it. I think if, 
again, because, you know, we when we read these things, we're aware that it's all being slotted into a wider universe. If everybody in, in you know, in the narrative, yeah, because um, that's the best word for it, despite it being a bit wanky, wasn't aware of Peter Parker, it would be a bit jarring, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. Especially in New York. Yeah, like, I mean, Peter Parker himself was from Brooklyn, wasn't he? Yes, yeah. Which I remember from Captain America Civil War, where him and Cap, he's Cap's yeah. like, where are you from? It's like, Brooklyn, and Cap's like, Queens. So. Yeah. Isn't Tom Holland Spider-Man from Queens as well? No, Brooklyn. He is. Oh, no, no, he... sorry. No. Tom Holland, no. Spider-Man, original Spider-Man from Queens, Captain America from Brooklyn, and Miles Morales. I think that's how it is. Yeah. 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 Um, I'll tell you one part I really loved. Like, this was generally, like, I thought this was actually a refreshing thing. But I'm scared it's just, it was kind of a gimmick in the moment. Yeah. But when Agent Gao, who I'm fairly certain is a new character, I don't think she's appeared before. I liked before. her. Yeah. It was fun. When she is going over the cost analysis yeah. of him saving the day. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's like a, that's almost like a, a critique of the genre. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, it's good because it addresses the cost between the damage from the fight and the amount of money he scorpion was trying to steal which also was insured yeah and that's kind of like uh you probably shouldn't have even bothered yeah but it then does also acknowledge at the bottom it's like but you did save someone's life so like that's priceless that's more priceless and i i'll excuse you for this this monetary yeah for this monetary difference because you actually did save someone's life and it it again i think stuff like that roots it more firmly in a realism because actually, if there if there were superheroes running around our world, mm. that would very quickly become the conversation. Yeah, and that does actually that's a point in um, Civil War. Civil War to an extent that's more like um, casual bystanders casualties. Yeah. Um, uh, what's the word? Um, casual bystanders. Collateral, like collateral, collateral damage, damage of bystanders. Yeah. But that's also a point in a great, oh, a great Batman title that we could do. I think you would actually really like. It's called Batman White Knight. And the plot of it is the Joker, as a, almost like a fuck you to Batman, takes a bunch of antipsychotics and becomes normal. And it, it really... <laughs> it, so Batman is suddenly the unhinged one. Well, kind of, yeah. It, it becomes a critique of the whole Batman thing because there's a, a plot in it about called like a Gotham reparation fund. Yeah. So it's a fund kind of funded by Wayne Industries, but also the elite of Gotham. And it's meant to be a, when some shit happens with the supervillain, we come in and re we rebuild and repair the city. It becomes a, point of the story where it turns out that that's actually like a cover for corruption right and people are using the, the elites are actually using that money as like a money laundering thing so that's a good example as well of like the realism of if this actually happened yeah becoming a plot in itself and that's why with this i liked it i like this i actually loved this this interaction yeah but i was scared that this was just going to be more like a oopsie daisy and then never mentioned again whereas i i think it's a good um, it's a good motivation for Agent Gao to be antagonistic to Mars Mars. And even he, he's not like, oh, she's just being a bitch or whatever. Like, he's like, yo, she has good reason. Like, she makes yeah. good points. I'm not going to stop what I'm doing, but... And I, I really like this idea that the authorities would be trying to keep the superheroes in check. 
I mean, it's 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 part of the. I mean, I suppose it's kind of part of the undercurrent theme of Watchmen, isn't it? Yes, and um, that there needs to be these checks and balances to what these enhanced people are doing. Yeah, and that is also civil war essentially as well. That's as, the as whole. You pointed out, it's yeah. the whole the, the yeah. responsibility. There I think was I also, read Civil War. It's a great. It's a great comic. Far better than Civil War Two. And do, yeah. do you know who wrote Civil War Two? Oh no. Brian Michael Bendis. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Michael Bendis. I like that we're very quickly establishing the heroes of the podcast and the villains of the He's podcast. the antithesis to Alan Moore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. If if there was an Alan Moore comic book, Brian Michael Bendis would be the villain. Maybe. I mean, he w- he's still successful in Marvel and DC. He's with DC currently, I think. Yeah. He jumped ship and it was like a big deal and he wrote Superman. Um, thing with Brian Michael Bendis is he's good he's good at concepts and premises like like i said with the ones like i like that initial concept he's great Miles Morales. yes fucking any, brilliant character and he created jessica jones not what i'm super familiar with she's a good one we'll definitely we'll definitely do a title of hers at some point yeah um but so he's good at these characters and these like premises but dialogue as he might just whip that out if he doesn't care it just comes out quite badly so the the miles morales run that we were we were reading was that written by him or was that written by somebody else using his character i'm i bet that that wasn't him by then i think Mm. he i think bendis wrote the original ultimate marvel original run by the time we started reading he had been folded into the main 616 universe yeah the, the main one there was also another little bit that really, again, the realism was his fight with Bum- Bumbler. What's his name? Bumble, Bumble, Bumbler. Bumbler. I think Bumbler. But he, even though that was a bit played for last with the upgrades failing and everything, there was a bit where, because Mars was frustrated at his, his normal life, yeah. he, went, oh, he went over the top a bit hard. And that was really the catalyst for what I saw as the main story of this is actually... A really young person having an existential crisis. Yes, and taking it out on the wrong, in the wrong ways, on yeah. the wrong people. Yeah, and the thing as well is that trope of a superhero getting extra violent. It's normally played for like a he's got a symbiote alien on him, or he's under mind control, or he's you know he's being hypnotized, or there's always something. And it's it's refreshing that I think it's more common these days that they just play off as like the psychology of this character is. He's under stress mm. and it's coming out in bad ways. And doesn't it make sense? He's so young. And, and I think they, I think whoever wrote this. Uh, this was, I did say earlier, it was written by uh, Cody Ziegler, who I've not heard of before. So I will credit them with the fact that they captured his voice really well. And he's like a, belie- he is a believable teenager to me. Yeah. I would go so far as to guess and I might be wrong, but I guess the good parts are the parts that, as a writer, these are kind of being put in where they can. Yeah. And the more generic parts are like the, these are the beats you have to hit for us as Marvel. Well, I suppose it's it's one of those, yeah, no, it's one of those things that actually there is an expectation of this type of story. And so, yeah, there, as, exactly as you say, there are certain story beats it has to hit. There are certain plot points yeah. that we need to navigate through. I suppose what's interesting is that we're actually watching and getting an insight into Miles's mental state while this is happening. Yeah. And he that that is one stressed out fucking kid, man. Yeah. And like I felt for him at points. And I do think it's quite good. The villain who gets introduced as Rumble, 
yeah um is an um, is a representation of his struggle with his current position yeah and how he's taking it for granted he feels like he's taking it for granted and that's kind of making putting him under stress because he feels like he's not living up to what he should be doing and obviously yeah. the teacher having to go at him at the start and like that stress coming out with his rebuttal to the teacher i honestly thought that the teacher was going to be the big bad yeah and that's that's a good misdirect well because it you know in classic comic book terms wouldn't have that wouldn't that have just made so much sense for the teacher to be the big bad like i think it would have been the perfect story beat i think the character they went with or they that they created essentially um it was interesting that it was played off as the it was directly involved in the position he had being taken away from someone else and yeah. them directing very misguided directing their anger and this was a point i was going to bring up is so for one thing, the name of the villain Rumble kind of sucks. I thought that was mm. shit. Um, I thought what was what was interesting was there's a point where her flashback. So her name is Renim, yeah, and she could she could have been in the position in the prestigious high school that Mars yeah. Mars is. She's gifted not only intelligence but she also has a superpower with technology. Yeah. At one point, her parents are talking about her and they refer to her as a fixer, and it's kind of italicized or like bolded. And I thought, is that going to be the name? And then when the name was revealed to be Rumble, yeah. I was like, Rumble sucks as a name. Fixer would have been way better. Not only because she's literally fixes technology, that's her thing. She's also, in her mind, fixing the yeah. system. Oh, it would have been perfect. Her parents called her Fixer. And I looked it up because I thought, I bet someone, a better character in comics has already had that name. I looked up and there were two Fixers and they were both Marvel owned. So they could have taken one that was very a very super villain looking yeah. technology could have had Raneem see this person in like old newspapers or something it would have been like you know what i'm gonna take that mantle because yeah. like, that's i need to embody that ideal of fixing the system or whatever or i'm yeah. going to assume my ideals with that name but then they went with rumble and i was like that sucks so yeah i mean getting into it i suppose that's the like the ideological meat of the book isn't it like this idea of them being turned against each other by an indifferent system well on the one hand i agree with a lot of what she says but i don't know if this is a criticism i don't know if this is a criticism of the writing or a criticism of the character and if it's one of it's if it's good if it's one if it's bad if it's the other yeah i agree so the you could criticize the character for being like you are justifiably angry, but you are taking it out on the worst person because it's just the person who whose lottery number was picked instead of yours. Yeah, there's no reason to go after that person. It doesn't make sense. But then is that also the psychotic mindset of someone who's kind of been broken by the system? And is there a message there of the? Or, you know, I don't want to get bloody um marxist about it but like the working class attacking each other rather than attacking the system well this is exactly what i took away from it it's the thing that you know we saw in britain around brexit where there was a lot of misdirected anger from poor white people towards minorities and it's the idea that actually by dividing and conquering you can you're looking at me like I'm wading into some muddy fucking water here. No, I looked at the cat because the cat was staring at me. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, all. no. So the idea of, you know, divide and conquer on class lines and actually 
pitting, you know, using using the media and using techniques like um, gerrymandering school districts to mm. effectively take people who have more in common than their leaders and in, and encourage them that you know the other group is the problem. That's what we're seeing here on a microcosmic scale, isn't it? Yeah, and I think there is a good attempt at a deeper motivation of a villain. Yeah, and I think the fact that it kind of devolves into just a supervillain supervillain fight on the one hand it it checks the tick boxes required for a marvel yeah. comic but also it still somewhat supports the original meaning as well yeah. so i they kind of have their cake and eating it too with that i'll admit it reminded me more of syndrome in the incredibles than it did anything i've seen from marvel yeah sure and that's that's um that's a good representation of that as well, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Although this does feel a little more like they were on equal footing and Mars didn't do anything to the, yeah. to the antagonist. Um, one thing I thought was weird was they introduce, uh, they introduce her, Raneem, at the, essentially the end of, she's introduced at the start, but she's really introduced at the end of issue one. Yeah. And then issue two in the, the, in the, catch up from the last issue so if it was a monthly like here's what happened last week um or last month they go and this mysterious new villain Raneem has just been introduced yeah. i was like she hasn't done anything yet. <laughs> like yeah all right she's spying on him that's pretty sus but she hasn't done anything you've and spoiled like, this for at, me yeah it's just like look at the villain like all right i kind of get she was going to be a villain but there was a moment where i was when when they were showing me her backstory the art style changed the font changed the color of the pat of the bubbles changed to that purple color and i was looking at it going fuck have i bought the wrong book <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like they 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 really her whole backstory drew me out of the reading experience to the extent that i had to go back and double check that i bought the right issue of the right title mm. to read um and so i kind of felt i liked her backstory i really enjoyed her origin th- story i thought it was well laid out well told the story beats were all good it was nicely condensed but it just kind of took me out of the reading experience of it as a whole. Yeah, and I think that's just going to... That's an ongoing problem with these kind of titles. It's it's something when, when you read a lot of them, it just kind of washes past you get used to. But And ultimately, I have complained in this very episode. I have complained that they didn't introduce characters to me. Yeah. And I have complained that they did introduce characters to me. Like, I'm going to have an you issue can, whatever you do. You can be critical of both ways. Yeah. There's a good way and a bad way to do everything. And that I think that applies to this kind of thing as well. Um, one thing that I thought was interesting that I... It was interesting that it wasn't brought up. So I thought I'll tell you when we get here. The character Tiana. Yeah. She is the granddaughter or grandniece uh, of the Vulture. Who's the Vulture? Vulture is one of Spider-Man's enemies. Um, he was the, <laughs> oh, you know, shit. Tom Holland Homecoming. Yeah. He was that character. But in the comics, he's more like spandex with wings. Wait, so she is the granddaughter of the Spider-Man villain who Peter Parker, whose daughter Peter Parker was dating. So in Homecoming, yes, but I think sh- this character, Tiana, was born after Homecoming. Right. Okay. So it wasn't a, another Miles Morales point used it was just something else was done no after. i just think it's interesting that they've used yeah do you know yeah. what i mean if you mapped out that family tree and put it all in the same universe it's just funny isn't it i mean everyone's related to everyone in the, <laughs> it's like norfolk in that <laughs> yeah. way yeah. Hey! Yeah. new york in the in the marvel universe is like norfolk yeah. you heard it here first 
I did also make a note of something that you already brought up, which was the goblin um, pet. Yeah, it pet. just... And, and do you know what? I enjoyed that they used that visual language because they didn't go full green. They didn't put her in a silly mask, but it was just the way she was moving, her posture, the way her powers functioned hmm. reminded me of the goblin. And again, yeah. you know, w- what we're doing here is... On some level, it's a retelling of the old Peter Parker stories with new characters. Mm. And so isn't it kind of cool that that's the way they made her look and made her powers work? And on the one hand, there's two ways to look at it. Because on the one hand, if you were an aspiring Spider-Man villain and you hadn't made your stuff yet, you could be like, well, who's the who's the enemy that's given a Spider-Man uh, superhero the most grief? And you go, yeah. oh, Goblin. Oh, maybe I'll copy that. But the other way you could look at it is, they're still not he's not really beating him like the most he's done canonically is like he killed gwen stacy and that was yeah. also kind of technically spider-man's fault anyway yeah but he you could if you look at all the villains and if no one's actually really beaten him you'd be like well who's given him the most grief well i'll build on that i mean i think somebody with doc octopus arms who could also fly would be a pretty potent way to go true but doc Ock arms might be more difficult i feel like there's a thing there's an unsaid thing in the spider-man comics where doc ock's like there's all this technology but it's like can you make it as good as someone else has yeah like doc ock's probably got the best he's probably like patented and like pioneered the technology his robotics were damn good weren't they yeah and that's why he made them and had the accent with them and everything in the first place like he was the guy who had them but yeah it's well this is the thing i've often wondered right Mm. because like you know, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I'm aware, where you've got all of these kind of underpowered heroes that, you know, like you've got, is his name Green Arrow? Yeah, Green Arrow in DC, yeah. No, no, not Green Arrow, the Hawkeye. other archer, Hawkeye. Yeah. So you've got Hawkeye and then Scarlett Johansson's character. Black Widow, yeah. Why not put them in Iron Man suits? Well, like, that, that I saw as an why interesting... Why not just stick them in Iron Man suits, so you th- know? That was an interesting point in the some, that I saw someone bring up in the MCU. Because mm. this is probably where you've seen this difference of some people in Iron Man suits and some people not. So the thing in the MCU, and I think they kind of incorporated this in the, in the comics as well, is that Iron Man is worried about his technology getting into the wrong hands. So he doesn't just like everyone have a suit. Although at one point in Iron Man three, he had about everyone has a suit. Well, no, he had about twenty suits operating themselves. Oh yeah, no, yeah, but, he let Jarvis do it, didn't he? But then they also had a self destruct system. So they were like, so he's like, I can fly him around, but then I can blow him up when I'm done, and they'll be fine. Um, and then in the MCU, he does make suits for his kind of most cared about pepper so, pots pepper pots and uh in infinity war and endgame spider-man oh tom yeah holland's tom holland because he feels responsible for him and there is a phrase about when he's making ultron it's about putting a suit of armor around the world yeah so he's kind of putting him around his loved ones the interesting anomaly from the comics and the mcu is his friend J- james rhodes who kind of inevitably steals well, yeah i was gonna say he pinches it doesn't he yes but i think it does get to a point where like if Tony Stark really cared. He'd try and take it back. But he's like, you know what? I trust Rhodes and it's a lesser version. Yeah. He can do what he wants with it. Yeah, because Rhodes only has guns, doesn't he? He doesn't have any of the pew-pews. <laughs> it depends on what version. <laughs> a different ones will put them on yeah. whatever, yeah. Do you know what I mean, though, by yeah. the pew-pews? There's a great one in Iron Man 2 where he had the little rocket and it was called the ex-wife. Yeah. He's like, stand back. I'm going to use this for the first time. <laughs> might want to 
get ready. And he just goes, <laughs> and does nothing. And it's like, dud. And so, yeah, it's, it's, there's, you can apply all sorts of things like, why doesn't everyone just do this or that? Mm. But there's always some kind of internal thing, like, especially with Hawkeye, like it was got into in the Matt Fraction run, where he kind of does what he can because he, the sense of pride where he's like yeah. i'm i'm only i'm doing contributing what i can because i don't want to f- rely on other people like that's how he's got to the point in the first place of being an unpowered person standing on the same stage as thor <laughs> thor and the god and a literal god exactly so you gotta think like yeah they're kind of back up to the to the main players yeah but like comic book nerds might be like Ugh, when, like if you were like playing a game you were like i don't want to be hawkeye Ugh. but it's like if this was real life imagine the the normal human who gets to that level yeah like that's insane like that's that's more than our current olympic yeah. champions like that level of like human existence so but yeah it's it's definitely a point um it's an interesting one here with the whole villains and their armor being upgraded and stuff mm. and you kind of think like why doesn't everyone do this but um, well, I suppose the thing is here is that what's her name, Ren, uh, Renim. So Renim is the reason that all of this stuff is getting better, right? Like she is just going and upgrading all of their kit and helping all these people that she knows have a vendetta against Miles. I don't know if they explicitly. I might have missed it. I don't know if they explicitly that was the, said well, it. again. That was kind of the feeling I had coming away from it. I don't. It think makes it, sense for everything. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I guess so. Yeah, they might. I don't. They that might be something they come back to later. If well, we this have isn't just it. a five issue run, is it? No, no. It is it's an ongoing run that just started recently. So maybe we might come back to it, see where it goes in the future, or you know, I'm I might come back to it. Like I think this will be one that I try and follow later, just to see if it does. I think this will be one that I come back to in a few months. Yeah, I'd like to see if the if if the interesting points we've identified develop any further or not. That'd be interesting to see i think if this if this became a story about miles battling with the complications of running the double life and also the wider implications of his existence and his work and you know people trying to put checks and balances on him it could be a really interesting story yeah if those are the things they choose to develop i think it could be a really interesting read yeah Another interesting thing I just remembered, mm. and we'll, we'll, we'll end on this point. Um, there's one thing that wasn't really addressed here except for like one or two lines, which I thought yeah. would be interesting for you to know. His dad, I think Aaron Davis is his name. Yeah. He, for the longest time, was just like a normal guy. I think his, his kind of story was that he was him and his brother, um, who would, the uncle, oh, is it Uncle Aaron? I can't remember Miles' actual dad's name, but his dad and Uncle Aaron, they were like, kids who were you know on the streets not much perspective or anything like you know probably weren't going to make much of themselves and then he elevated himself out of it had a family and now he's trying to stop miles from going the route that he could have gone so but he for the longest time he was just that he was like the precautionary tale like don't make the same mistakes that i almost did kind of dad in later time they kind of retconned it so that he actually at that point when he left maybe like brooklyn like the poor parts of brooklyn i guess he actually went joined the military and then later became an agent for shield oh right cool so he was kind of a secret agent for a while yeah and then gave up to settle down and have a family god was he in shield while shield was being run by hydra 
I mean, I that happened, didn't it? That's MCU. I don't know if they proper did it in the comics or not. That was a great, great point in the MCU in um, uh, the Winter Soldier film. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if they did it in the comics or not, or if they did, if it's still canon or whatever. But what's interesting about that, the reason I bring this up, is he actually then confides to Miles before, I think, maybe even discovers he's Spider-Man, or maybe mm. after. But he basically shows that I also have lived a double life. Yeah. So it's, again, reinforcing that trying to balance two lives. So yeah. he said for a while he was in S.H.I.E.L.D. while he had a wife. And then <laughs> when the wife became pregnant with Miles, that he then battled this double life and yeah. decided to leave it all behind. So as a precautionary tale to Miles, he, his dad gave up the, the fantastical aspect of his life, the dangerous aspect. For the grounded aspect. To be, to be, yeah, to be a family man. And Miles now has to consider, does he keep being Spider-Man or not? And this idea of kind of superheroes as an allegory for the folly of youth, I think we see that played out really well over the Iron Man films in the MCU, where we see Iron Man grow and kind of learn about the responsibility of it all. Mm. And that responsibility really starts to weigh down on him by the end of Infinity War Endgame kind of era. Whereas actually, if you look at Iron Man, the first Iron Man film, Tony Stark, he's a very different character. Oh, yeah. And so you're kind of seeing this superhero lifestyle, if you will, played out as an allegory for the folly of youth. Yeah, yeah. And even and uh, allegory for responsibility in general, because Iron Man does take up the ultimate responsibility in Endgame by sacrificing his life. So that and the, the Iron Man of the first the Tony Stark's of the first Iron Man film never would have done that. Wouldn't have never been no. close. But he slowly become that person. And the Iron Man of the first film, you know, when they went back in time to try and bring everyone back after Thanos clicked. Them, yeah, yeah. He would have done that without a second thought. But the Iron Man, that later older, more mature Iron Man, had a sense of the responsibility to the people that had survived, mm. which I don't think a younger Tony Stark would have had. And what we're seeing is. I mean, albeit somebody with a lot less power um, in the traditional sense, Mm. um, you know, not in the sense of like superpowers, but in the sense of actual real world power. Money, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking A. Um, Battle with, you know, the the complications of the life he's leading. Mm. Um, I mean, yeah, no, I've always liked Miles Morales. I've always thought he was a, you know, a really cool addition to the corpus, if you will. Let's hope that his writing gets more interesting, and, <laughs> or at least continues the interesting aspects. Yeah, I think we've both seen something in this in this book that's charmed us. Yeah, and hopefully those aspects get continued, and it doesn't just fall into the same old. My my fear is, and this is why I said near the top, these kind of comics can kind of trick you into continuing them yeah. by having little interesting points but never fully exploring them the breadcrumb trail yeah or relying on it gives you scraps of like is something interesting and then it's like generic super stuff for a while it's like oh is another little interesting part and then uh but then like i was complaining about this when i was reading uh wolverine uh, yeah. tile that started in 2019 i was catching up on that and there was a point where he was just kind of doing missions and fighting people and it was all violent and bloody, but it was just nothing really of sustenance. I was like, I'm almost at the point where I might give up on this. And then the Beast yeah. storyline started and I went, what the fuck is this? And I was like, oh, this is like one of the best storylines I've ever read now. Well, it was, you know, it was, I, I had a real aversion, to, a real burning aversion to superhero stuff. Yeah. 
and then you showed me that Miles Morales run that we both loved and Old Man Logan. And I was like, oh, there's good stuff happening here. Like, there's something interesting happening. You've just got to wade through it all yes. to get to it. And I, I suppose... But then again, this is what it's always been. Yeah. You know, comic books didn't start out as high art. They started no. out as penny strips in other comic books, didn't they? Yeah. The first Superman isn't a Superman comic. It's a strip in, what, Action Comics 38 or whatever? Action Comics might be number one. I'm not sure, actually. I read it. I read it recently. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely it's one we wanna, might do at some point. Yeah, I definitely want to talk about it at some point. Yeah. I think it's important for this podcast for us to do these kind of titles because then it puts the better ones in perspective so you get the thing like me where when a comic gets good i'm like oh my god finally I'm yeah. back to this. i mean the thing that i've noticed is that the really compelling really interesting stuff is mostly coming from the graphic novels yeah as the a trade paperbacks big collections yeah well that and you know kind of the alan Moore stuff <laughs> well i was i was gonna bring up alan Moore as well actually yeah there's a trailer or advert for his writing masterclass. Yeah, I, I saw it. It kept, it kept being advertised to me a few mm. years ago. And the good point that I, as not a writer in any sense, um, I've written things, but I definitely would not call myself a writer. Uh, the point he made was, if you're an aspiring writer and you want to learn how to write, it's more beneficial to read bad writing than it is good writing. Yeah. Because bad writing inspires you to work out why it's bad and what better what to do differently and i think with these kind of comics and i'm not saying this is bad this is definitely nowhere near the ones like yeah which is now our benchmark for, i think like, it is yeah the bottom can't wait one day that'll get beat like that'll be <laughs> interesting but um it's good to do these kind of ones that compare to like the great ones that we rave about because then we see why the great ones if you just read a great comic like yeah it's a great comic and you're like yeah i liked when this happened and this happened but when we read these ones we can go back to the great ones go ah it's great because it does this and it does this differently and this is by no means bad you know i, I wouldn't say it's bad it can there's i would say there's bits of it there's parts of it which are a bit uninspired yeah feel but, a bit by the beats and 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 yeah and i I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you but i think this is a complaint I have across the board about superhero comics. Yeah, and I understand. As a superhero fan, I, I agree. Like, that like, is the problem. In terms of the superhero stuff we've read, the most compelling one that we that I've read to talk about with you was probably that Supergirl run. See, I was going to say either that or, um, as a more traditional comic book story, uh, Rogue Son. Yeah, Rogue Sun was all right. We should go back to Rogue Sun at some point, shouldn't we? I think leave it a bit so we can get like a nice big chunk again because we only did it recently and that was only five issues. So yeah, the longer we leave it, the more issues we'll have. There'll be to... about ten. To... There'll be about ten issues now. Exactly. Yeah, that'll be a good run. Yeah, but yeah, that'll be. We'll definitely go back to that one at some point. If if even just a tack on to a to another episode or something. Yeah. If we do a short one one week, I think. We've done longer on this episode only because we've talked about the, the character Mars Morales more than the actual title. Yeah, which I think is fair because he is a compelling character and he is an interesting character. Yeah. We didn't, I mean, the, the one thing that we didn't do, and I think it's interesting that we both kind of avoided it, is wade too far into the race topic as yeah. two white men talking about Mars Morales. Because there is, there is an interesting subtext here where he, you know, him and Tiani. Tiana. Talking. Tiana. 
are talking and he says, oh, people like us. And uh, Misty Knight, who we, we have neglected as well. Yeah. She was a big part in this. She was kind yeah. of a, a mentor figure for a short time and hope and looks like continues as well. Yeah, she was, yeah, she was a great character. So I think, I think there's that undercurrent as well. And I can imagine that, I can't imagine, but I'm going to intellectualize here and make an assumption that actually watching these stories be played out by, you know, uh, people who aren't white. <laughs> well, yeah, this is it, right? People who aren't white um, adds another layer of complexity. And I imagine actually that if somebody who wasn't white was reading these books, there might be something else that they would be drawing from it that we're not seeing. Yeah. And- because we're looking at it through the lens of our privilege. Of course. I tend to avoid other reviews and analysis of comics because I, I just want to come in with my own and, you know, not... I don't, and, I, unless it's from the Daily Planet podcast, in which case you are more than happy to throw it right in there, baby. It's actually the Weekly Planet. Ah, oh, for fuck's sake! <laughs> <laughs> Daily Planet is the uh, Superman, the actual Superman fictional one in that. Yes. And that's where they got the name from, but... But yeah, I try not to, because they more do comic book movies and TV shows and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but So they talk about inevitably similar characters. But I try to avoid actual comic book assess, assessments and reviews and analysis. But I would be very interested to, I, I'm always interested to, and I should seek out what, like, again, what people who aren't white, what they think of this. Like, do they think it's a good representation? Do they think it's executed well? Like... That I'd be interested in that because that's not a that's not a point of view that we can indulge in to a to a well, satisfactory level. I think. Well, listen, yeah, it's just something that we don't understand, and I think enough white people just in the cultural conversation. I think it's fair to say our point of views would be uninformed in that well, way. Yeah, enough white people are weighing in with their hot takes about race that. I don't think my voice is that necessary. Exactly. Like, it's just not my fucking issue to talk about. Do you know what I'm saying? Exactly. And I'm on the level of, if someone asks me, then I'll be happy to have the conversation. But Mm. I definitely do not feel the need to, like, put it out there intentionally. Even though we have inevitably talked about it in this podcast a bit. But I feel like we've done it to a a level we haven't indulged in it because we don't need to. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, it it wasn't one of the talking points. It wasn't one of the, the wider themes that we really dug into. And I think that's because neither of us would be able to do it justice. Exactly. That's the best possible way to explain that thought. Yeah, neither of us. But I also think we'd, we, would, we would be remiss not to mention why we hadn't talked about it. Exactly. And also, it's, it's also important to acknowledge that it's happening in the comic. Yeah, it's happening. But I am neither you nor me are the best people to really ruminate on that and to carefully consider the implications of what's being said and what's being done yeah i will say generally that that aspect being part of his character and of the comic it from my from our perspective at least we can say it it just makes him more feel more like a fleshed out character like a more real character yeah i mean yeah I'd, i'd agree and it you know with with comics being what they were when miles morales was introduced it was very white and so yep. the idea of just having a Spider-Man who looked like Miles Morales does was novel and interesting. Um, but I think it has to be done, which is why I was so surprised to find out he was created by a white guy. Yeah. I um, think... Because what... that almost, it almost kind of feels like fetishization to me. Well... And I'm not going to say that it feels like it. It's just kind of like... You're kind of worried it could be. Yeah, this is it, isn't it? Yeah. And I... 
to be fair, I think there is a point to be made that there have been plenty of superheroes of color before yeah, these yeah, characters. Yeah, yeah. Uh, plenty of characters like I mean off the top of my head obviously Black Panther's one of the most well-known ones uh, Luke Cage uh, Blade is a great one that constantly gets kind of forgotten about in these kind of conversations and loads loads more as well Misty Knight has been yeah. around for a long time how, well how I, 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 I wasn't oh, aware yeah, no, of her. I, yeah but what's important with this is the the point of Mars Rice as a character is because Spider-Man as a not even just like a character like Peter Parker, but just as a an icon of superheroes, yeah. it was important for people to be able to uh, people who have not felt they could see themselves in Spider Man now can. Yeah, in and isn't that fucking Spider-Man. sick? That's, that's yeah, so that's fucking point, cool. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a good point to end on. I think that's yeah. as graceful a point as as we can um, articulate with our uninformed absolutely <laughs> perspectives. So thank you so much for listening. If you would like to send us hate mail, um, you can do so at comicliterate at gmail.com. Are you going to mention the email address as well? <laughs> that's, a, that's a callback joke through <laughs> <laughs> the past two episodes where I have gone back and edited them and gone, yeah, he said the email address and I just wasn't listening. <laughs> and I went, uh, don't you think you should say the email address as well? <laughs> so yes, he has. Um, I'm considering making more of the Norse mythology videos. If you would like to incentivize me to do so, you can go and watch the one that currently exists at Myths for Sad Grown-Ups on YouTube. I can say there definitely will be some more coming because I'm going to be your accountability accountability accountability. You're, you're gonna make you because you're editing them, I, I now have to make them, right? Exactly. And yeah. like and you will be for my comic stand videos once they come out. Yeah. Because so. if not, I will get nothing done. <laughs> exactly. It's but like if, it's like when you go to the gym with someone. You need someone else to be like I said I told him I would. Yeah. But now I have to. I suppose and then you feel better. If you want something cozy to go to sleep to, try my video. And if you want someone screaming about comic books in an aggressive manner, <laughs> that'll be that'll be that'll be the part I cater to. So thank you so much and good night. And reviews? Yeah, review us. There's places, I always forget them. You could do them in app. They are the best ones I think for us are Spotify, um, Amazon music uh, Amazon podcast, sorry. Yeah. And um God, what's the other one? You always mention Google, I keep forgetting that one. So Google Podcasts. Uh and uh There's places. Wherever pod wherever you get your podcasts from. Yeah, we are there. What whatever listener, whatever app you have open while you're listening to this podcast, if there is a review place, just even if it's bad, just a review. And if I'd not, just write in and tell us how cool you think we are. Hey. We need it. <laughs> Bye. Bye.